we subconsciously can't trust the love we're getting because we think if they truly knew me, they wouldn't actually love me. The amount of life we feel like we've lived is gonna be equivalent to the exceptional moments we've had. You did undercover work to rescue children from sex trafficking. 11 sting operations. If your person isn't your safe person, like what are you doing? Today on the show, we have someone who is a real estate expert, having sold over 5,000 homes. He's owner of the We Are The They coaching program, an enthusiastic world traveler, having already visited over 99 countries, worked undercover to rescue children from sex trafficking, and on top of all that, is a serial entrepreneur who has his hands in over 20 companies and 15 restaurants. If that's not enough, he's the author of You End Up Where You're Heading, which is an incredible book, giving him the reputation as the most interesting man. Please welcome my good friend, Jimmy Rex. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Jimmy. Yeah, dude, this is fun. I'm genuinely excited to have you on the show. I've been uh, itching to have this interview just because of all the things I just said. I mean, you are one of the most interesting men I know, an inspiration. And I have to just, I have the first thing I have to know is, how did you see yourself when you were a kid? Did you see yourself doing all these things, or is there something you really wanted to do when it's you were a kid? It's pretty funny. I, I, I like to ask my family members or friends that have known me for a long time, you know, and they like to laugh about certain things. And I have one buddy. He's like, dude, you, you just were always doing whatever came to your mind. You would just go and do it, and you were genuinely confused when people didn't understand that that wasn't normal. Like, mm-hmm. so I just, if I had an idea, I'd go with it. I'd just do something, you know, and so... Um, it's a blessing and a curse, but like, so for, you know, I've been to actually just got back from a trip. I'm, I'm now at 105 countries and people say like, well, what do you find time to go travel like that? It's like, I just go and I just go do it. I just make it the priority or whatever I'm doing, you know? And, and I've always been pretty good at trying to figure things out and I haven't been afraid. You know, it's a gift that I had when I was younger is I tried a lot of things and a lot of them didn't work. And I use that word verbiage very carefully because most people would say I failed, but I didn't fail. I just, they just didn't work. But I always still got a benefit every time those things didn't work. And so I'd see that even though maybe this didn't become what I wanted to, or maybe this thing didn't end up in the end working, I always met new people and got more experience. And I saw that people looked up to me, not because I was accomplishing these things, but because I was trying these things. And so it really, I guess you could say, kind of inspired myself to really just keep doing that. And that's where you end up with this really crazy, interesting life. <laughs> well, you should, uh, there's going to be an autobiography written about your life. <laughs> and I'm just curious to see what the title is going to be. Who do you think is going to play you? Who? Who would play me who? in an autobiography? I, I mean, I'd like to. In a to, movie, who would play it's you? It's got to be somebody that's currently younger. I mean, I don't really know any of the younger actors, I guess, because it'll be coming up. But if I had to pick someone today, maybe like, uh, I'd love to have like, I mean, Ryan Reynolds would be my first that'd choice. Be, that'd be know? funny too. Yeah. Yeah. You could make I could a, see a that comical working. one. Yeah. yeah. So of the 105 countries you've now been to, what was your favorite country and your least favorite country? You know, I made a video about this recently on uh, TikTok, and it got a lot of people. It's got over 4 million views now because so many people got upset by it. But I couldn't really name one because it's so hard to pick one. But here's what I say is if you're dying in two weeks, you got one place you still can go and you've never been anywhere, um, you've got – and this is what upset people. I said, you got to go to Africa. Specifically, I went – my place I picked in Africa is Victoria Falls because, like, it's funny because that's how – social media works, right? That video went viral because all these idiots kept posting, Africa's not a country, Africa's not a country. It's like, no shit. I went on to say, go to Zimbabwe, which is, you know, Victoria Falls. But the thing is, is because, have you ever been there, by the I way? I not. Dude, it's, you've got to go. It's, it's just a different world. I mean, you're literally, I remember one day I'm walking in our resort, we were staying at this nice resort, and there's these two giant giraffe statues, right? Like on the side of the path, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm just walking from, you know, the pool to my room or something. 
And I look, I'm like, man, those look so real. And all of a sudden, the one just turns its neck. <laughs> just two giraffes just sitting there. And I remember we were you know, driving the next day, and we had to wait for elephants to cross the road. And we went and slept out in the bush. And you know, 200 feet away the next morning, we found a pack of lions. And oh, wow. uh, I mean, the whole night, you got trees where monkeys are swinging overhead. And it's just insane. I mean, it's just this different world. And by the way, it's you hear about all the dangers of all these places. And I'll be honest, like when you go look for problems, you'll find them. I under learned that doing yep. the undercover work, right? But otherwise, you just don't. People are so excited to see you. They're so happy to have you there. I just got back from Saudi Arabia recently. And wow, how was that? Uh, yeah, and I mean, you would think like, oh, that's scary, right? Yes, you just perked up I in did. your chair. Like, it, made, it made me think, it made yeah. like my, my so, get the Well, and that's the thing that's crazy. It's until 2019, you, tourists couldn't even go there. You had to go there for government business or whatever. And... Um, dude, the people could not have been nicer. They couldn't have been more like they didn't, they either didn't give a care that we were there or they were so excited to see these two guys. We went to the world cup in Qatar. And yep. so while we were there, we slipped over to Saudi Arabia, but they were genuinely so excited to have us there. And I didn't once feel in danger. Um, you know, I, I've been to all these places that are supposed to be dangerous and they're, they're just not again. It's now I will say this with Saudi Arabia. We had this little moment where we went to, it's the second most holy site in all of Islam. And this is where places where people get scared to travel because you can innocently make mistakes. But me and my buddy were like, he's like, well, let's go see if we can enter. And I'd already researched it. You can't go in this building. It's like where Muhammad was like either born or died. One of the two, I don't know. But anyway, and we were like, go up to the front, and the security guy's like, yeah, go ahead. And this mosque, to give you an idea, holds a million people. They've had over a million people in it. It's wow. ginormous. And um, it's literally the second most holy place in all of Islam. Um, the first one, um, you can't even, Mecca, you can't even go in the city if you're not uh, uh, Muslim. And so we go, and the guy's like, yeah, go ahead. And we're like, wait, what? And so the next thing we know, we're in this building. We asked him like three times. He's like, yeah, no, you're good. Go ahead. And we, there was- Speaks English? Um, yeah, I mean, understood it enough. Yeah. Uh -huh. We were just like, can we go? I'm mean, we pointing to the door, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And, uh, we ended up going through this thing. We kind of just participated in it. Cause it's kind of cool that, you know, the prayers going off and everything. I always try to do that when I travel, just, you know, I've done the wailing wall in Jerusalem and I've done, you know, different Hindu and Buddha things and, you know, Indonesia and some of these other places, but, and I'm sitting there and they had hundreds of thousands of Qurans like stacked up in this temple, I guess you call it, uh, this mosque. And, we're both just like, oh, they probably just like you take one, like if you mm -hmm. want to read the Ma or the Quran. And we're like, what a cool way to get our first Quran. And so we walk out with these books thinking nothing of it. We're just like literally like kind of just getting into this whole culture and everything. And next thing we know, this undercover security guy is like, where'd you guys get those? And we realized, oh, no we might have just accidentally stolen these books, the most holy book in Islam out of their most <laughs> second most holy building. We can get our arms chipped off. And it caused a whole few hours of chaos. But other than that, it was so beautiful. And so anyway, it's kind of a longer story, but kind of, I just love the adventure of travel. And But you know, you see why some people don't. You hear a story like that and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll just go to Boston or something. Well, hold on. I need to know how this story ends. Okay, so. you have your arms. You're sitting here today with yeah. hands. Well, and so the guy took, well, my buddy kind of panicked. I'm a, Again, I'm a very, I call myself a professional traveler. Like, I know what to do, not to do. He's like, where are you guys staying? And I just point. I'm like, I don't know what it's called. It's some Muslim name or whatever, um, or Arabic name. And uh, the guy's like, well, I need to see pictures of your IDs. And I'm like, I don't have mine on me. And my buddy pulls his out, and he's like, here you go. And so he took a picture of his visa. And so we left, and my buddy was like, and he's got a wife and kids. So it's kind of interesting because I don't. 
So like, I'm up for the challenge. Yeah. I'm up for the adventure, right? But he starts kind of freaking out a little bit. He's like, dude, I wish that guy hadn't taken my ID. And I haven't even thought about it. I was like, he didn't give it back. He took it. He just took a picture of okay. it. Okay. But I'm like, but he's got his information now. Yeah. And we've we're, we've been in Saudi Arabia for four hours. Keep in mind, <laughs> I have booked the nicest resort, and it's called Alula. It's like the up and coming place where they want tourists to come to Saudi Arabia. It's literally one of the nicest resorts in the world. Um, we're going to the Qatar for the World Cup. I've dropped eight grand on tickets and hotels and the whole thing, you know. And he, we called our buddy who um, used to be a Muslim, and he said, hey, here's what happened. We're kind of a little bit worried. My buddy particularly, he was just really worried, but I get it. He's got a wife and kid. And uh, the, this guy, our buddy, Hasem, he's like, well, how do I explain this to you guys? You went into their most holy place and touched – you are dirty. They consider you dirty, filthy dirty, and you touched their most holy book. You basically stole it not knowing you were stealing it, and then you went and put it back. He's like – what would it be the equivalent of here in the States? He goes, probably trying to like assassinate the president of the United States. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not even close. But like, and my buddy f- loses it. He goes, we're gone. We're out. So this is the actual story. So we've been there for four hours. He goes, I'm going around the back way, get the car. We're going to the airport. We're out of Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm just like beside myself, right? Because you want to stay. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you're we're, not we're that here. Nervous. Yeah. Well, at this point, I'm like, after he said that, he's like, you guys, you've got to get out of there. Get the next flight out. And there was a, it was like 5.30 at night. There's a flight to Dubai at 1.30, which is a Western Middle East, right? Yep. Like, I mean, you're good there if you're an American. You're good everywhere, I think. But anyway. And, and so I'm like, hey, we got this flight at 1.30. He goes, no, we got to catch an earlier flight. So we go there, and he's like, there's a flight to Egypt. It's eight hours in the wrong direction, $4,000 <laughs> ticket. I'm like, I'm so bugged. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But then there's the part of me that's like, if it's even one in a thousand chance that we get put in a Saudi prison, I guess we got to probably go. Yep. And I'm, I'm like, with your buddy here. I know. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, I can deal with being in jail for five years for this mistake. Truly, I would figure that out. If my buddy's in the cell next to me missing his wife and kid, there's not a day's going to go by I'm not going to want to kill myself. <laughs> you, know? you could handle five years in a No, but I, would, like, I was willing to risk one in okay. a thousand on All it. Right. How's that? Fair. fair. And uh, no, I mean, if it was one in a hundred, I'm probably You're still bailing out. But we did. We went to the airport. We turned in our rental car. And uh, but they, the flight was booked. It was, you know, there was no flights for three more hours. Well, my buddy that went with me, he's close, close friends with this guy who's royalty in the Seychelles, which is a, a Muslim country. And finally, he woke up. It was like 530 in Utah. And, and he called him back and he said, listen, here's what happened. And the guy said, look, you're good. Um, I have connections everywhere. I can if, if worst case scenario happens, you should be fine. But that being said, you actually can go in the building like they said. Um, probably wouldn't have taken the Quran out. But there is argument to like, it's not just like you stole this off with your hands. Oh, it's like you get to go to a court and justify it or talk about it. Like you get to represent, you know, that like, hey, here's what happened. And once we did that, he goes, honestly, go enjoy your trip. You're fine. We went and everything was So you great. left the airport. We went, yeah, I had to go get a new rental car. And then we just went and enjoyed the rest of our trip. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. That, that is pretty wild. And I live for those kind of experiences, dude. That's what I literally try to create just chaos and fun <laughs> experiences. Because I believe at the end of our lives, the amount of life we feel like we've lived is going to be equivalent to the exceptional moments we've had. And it's like those moments that you create. Mm-hmm. I mean, watching me and my buddy go through it is so funny. And 98% of me was laughing in my ass off, 2% pissed off. The whole thing was just like, I knew it in the middle of it. I'm like, this is chaos, and we're going to laugh our asses off for the next 30 years yeah. about this. But it felt like a movie. Like, it felt like we did need to get out of the country. I mean, I, you had me at the edge of my seat because when you said it's the equivalent of assassinating right? and the that president. Dude, don't ever call him again. Jeez Louise, wow. man. Huh. Yeah, that, that, that was the part that 
kind of set off my buddy. Even if you think that's the equivalent, you don't want to say that to your buddies that are still there. It's like a little bit alarming, you know? Well, so this is what I love about my own show is I get to be curious and ask these questions and learn from successful people because I believe success is formulaic. I think that if you reverse engineer success from all successful people, there's a bunch of common traits. Do you give much thought? Do you have like certain core values that you hold dear or that you will call your success formula? Yeah, so I have a couple things. So, you know, I... Um, I went through Date with Destiny with Tony Robbins several years ago, and you spent a week trying to figure out, you know, your values and your principal uh, question, your primary question, and um, you figure out, you know, your life's purpose and all these things. And I really dug into it that week. I mean, you're putting in 14, 16-hour days because I wanted to answer that question. And most people I don't think have ever done enough to really figure that out. So my whole course that I um, teach, my We Are The They men's coaching group, it's based off of three principles, three core values, which is, uh, vulnerable, authentic, and in integrity. And the principle is kind of this. When you're out of integrity, when you're not being who you truly are, when you're not letting yourself be seen for who you are, the love that we receive, whether it's from a spouse, from friends, or whoever, we subconsciously can't trust the love we're getting because we think if they truly knew me, they wouldn't actually love me. And so I can't tell you how many guys I've had come through the program where they, they'll say that, you know, they finally get into integrity with their wife or girlfriend or whatever they need to do. Um, they get vulnerable and talk about things that they thought they would, you know, I have, I mean, it's crazy the amount of, Steve Weatherford came and spoke to my group yesterday yeah. and so did Bedros Cooley and both guys were um, molested as kids. And they said one in four um, adult men were probably molested as kids. It's a crazy stat. Wow. And to hear those guys talk about it, and I've heard so many influencers and different people talk about that now. And in my program, there's been multiple guys that had never told a soul that had been molested, thought they were awful people. It's really confusing too, because, you know, they start thinking like they kind of enjoy it. Like it's all this really weird thing because it still feels good. And just, and as you, you hear them finally open up for the first time in their lives, they feel safe to talk about it. That vulnerability, they think if anyone ever knew this about me, they wouldn't mm -hmm. love me. That's a Bedros you know, spoke to, and so did Steve. And same with my guys. But truly, it's when they're most lovable. You've never been more yeah. loved. You're innocent. You're, you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden, they feel so loved. And they always say the same thing. They're like, wow, for the first time in my life, I know my wife loves me. I know that I'm loved. I know that you guys love me. And so these principles, the whole basis of it is to break that energetic block between you and your spouse or you and whoever you need to, where instead of doing surface bullshit or, or just trying to get around these things. You have to be able to, if your person isn't your safe person, like, what are you doing? Like, yep. get to that place of vulnerability where you truly can be a broken man or person and be loved in that state because then you're completely empowered to go forward. And so I would say those are the three principles that kind of guide. Now, when it comes to business it's, itself, I honestly think it's this simple. Um, my mentor, Mike Ferry in real estate, when I got into real estate, this guy, I mean, my first year coaching with him, I sold 98 houses with one assistant. And this quote was on this, my wall. I literally wrote it on my wall. It said, the difference between successful and unsuccessful people is successful people merely have learned to do the things that unsuccessful people don't want to do. And hard work is, he, he would always say, real estate is simple. It's not easy. He said, there's three things you have to do. Number one, learn exactly what to do, exactly what to say. Two, get really good at doing it. Learn exactly how to say it the right way, even the tone, NLP, all that stuff, right? He said, and then the third thing is just do it all day. That's yep. literally that simple. And then I went on, you know, to become the number one agent in Utah for basically for a decade and, and over and over was getting all these different national awards and things. And I literally, that was all it was. It was like, I got the, I learned exactly what to say. I memorized scripts. Then I learned how to say them so it didn't sound like a script. 
and I just learned from the best people in the country. I'd literally go fly out and spend time with them, just like I do with coming here in San Diego and spending time with people that are just much more advanced than I am. I just copy all the best stuff I learned, and then I just did it all day. I was rel- relentlessly working to be the best, and you know, um, that's how I built it. So that's how we get to five thousand homes sold. Yeah, well, and then the, I guess the only other thing I would add to that is you have to have the right people around you. That yep. first key hire, that second key hire. You know, I got a real estate partner right now, so I kind of turned over my real estate team to him. I do the networking and a lot of the marketing and stuff still, but he's really the machine behind it, selling all the homes now. Yep. And uh, we do a lot of investment properties all over the country, and so we work with investors left and right, and he's so good. All I have to do is get somebody in front of him, and I know they're going to get an A-plus experience. Which is what, is what it's all about. So Yeah, and, so, and then my assistant, Chris, for all these years, he was my right hand. I mean, he's so good. He never missed a thing. Like, so many people have the wrong hire, so they spend all day worrying about things they've given to somebody else to do. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I gave him something to do, it was done. I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to follow up with it. I never had to worry where my money was. I didn't have to worry about the client being taken care of. They got an A-plus experience. And they'd always say the same thing. Like, we just love Chris. He's so nice. I mean, if, if it got to me, if I had to step in, shit was going south. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was the guy you called when you needed to save a deal or whatever. Otherwise, I was just out getting more business, more business. You know what I love about what you just said, though? And I think it's important. You didn't say, if I get someone in front of him, we sold the deal. You said they're going to get a great experience. Mm. And I don't know if you realize that consciously or subconsciously, but that is the difference between, because I was really good in sales as well. Yeah. And everyone wanted to ask me, how are you so good in sales? It's because I created an experience and I didn't worry about selling. Yeah. I mean, you know this, if you do your job and you take care of people, you don't ever have to worry about the money. You just don't. Correct. You just, you never do. And with our team, you know, it was interesting. So I, 2007, 8, 9, I watched everyone lose their ass, right? I would sit across the table from these couples that had bought these investment homes from other real- realtors and things, and they were upside down 100 grand. I mean, I, I watched people divorce in front of me, you know, and I have PTSD from that. And so what I realized when I started buying real estate, I had the worst advice from people, and it was really hard to get good advice back then. Now there's a million ways you can get this information, but I keep it so simple, and we can do this at the end when we do. Mm-hmm. You talk to me like I'm five maybe, but I just wanted to be the person I needed when I started investing in real estate because if I'd had somebody teach me the right formula, oh, my gosh. I had I owned 13 properties in 2006. I bought most of them the wrong way. My sure. mentor came to me, Mike Ferry, and he said, you need to sell everything. So I did. I, all but you two, took the advice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. he was the, he was, he's the goat. I mean, he, the dude, whatever he said, I was, that was for me, but he said that. And so I kept two cause I was living in one. I had a, a business partner living in the other one. I ended up losing my ass on those two, lost about 150 K. Um, but all the rest I got out of, thankfully, I mean, there was one house we bought. I remember we bought it for three twelve, and with, I partnered with my brother, Matt. And if I had not got rid of that, it would have caused us the biggest riff in our family. Cause we ended up selling it at three Oh five. Once he said to sell, I took a loss. I ate the loss, which hurt back then. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I had to eat after commissions, like seven or eight grand. And, uh, but that house sold a year later for like two ten, And it would have just, I know those numbers don't seem like big numbers now back then. That was, I mean, that was everything. I'd ever I mean, done. how old were you? I was 24. That's you know? a hundred yeah, grand no. to a 24 oh, year yeah. old. Yeah. No, I mean, was, that's a million dollars to most people today. For sure. And so, but I took that advice, but you know, but ultimately the, the, what, so what me and Tyler have done so beautifully is every single investor that wants to work with us, we make them do a strategy session with us first. It's a half hour to 45 minutes. We sit down and say, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? What are you truly trying to do? How much money do you actually have? How quickly, what's your, um, you know, your risk tolerance, how quickly do you want to try to do this? And so we can map this thing out and all these agents in Utah, especially in, in California, all, they were selling investment properties, $580,000 townhomes. It was like, hello, I've watched this movie. I know how it ends. 
and sure as shit, it all flipped yep. and everybody gets stuck with these horrible deals. We never, we switched, we stopped selling investment homes in Utah almost two and a half years ago because the numbers no longer made sense. And we would just focus on three key things and we make sure every investor, it fits that formula. And so when the market started going down last May, I mean, it's dropped, you know, the median price in the country has dropped 15 to 20% in most areas. Yep. Um, we had, we don't have a single investor that got put in a bad situation. Not one. We don't have a single one because we never broke these principal rules that he and I learned the first go around. And that's the difference between hiring. I mean, I look back now, I'm like, geez, just off hard work alone, I was hustling and getting a lot of deals. But you compare like me now versus mm -hmm. me when I was 25. And, you know, I'm a hundred times smarter realtor now than then. And so it's like, you see how experience does work for people. But that was kind of the thing that we decided to do because I just wanted to be that source that I needed, yep. honestly. And we'd do that. And that's why people... We haven't. I haven't had to make a cold call since 2010. I used to call for sale by owners every morning for three hours straight, 30 to 40 every single day. Smile and dial. It, it was all it was, but I got really good at it, yeah. you know. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. And now I just, my clients, they just, they know where to find us. They, it's all word of mouth and we're just growing like crazy. So, so right now in today's economy, today's climate, you still buying homes? So here's the number one thing with real estate. So I'll just give the rules real Please. quick because this is, Teach me. yeah, this is the way you never get in trouble in real estate, no matter what is as long as it has, if you buy the right property, sure. And that's the answer for any market. But if you buy the wrong property, no. And just to give you a quick little thing. I wrote a real estate book. I interviewed the top 100 millennial real estate agents across the country. It's called The Next Wave of Influence in Real Estate. I wrote it about four or five years ago. It's a bestseller. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's not my best work. <laughs> but it's like it had a couple really cool things for new agents that you could learn by studying successful people. Yeah. One of the questions I asked them was, what does your own real estate investment portfolio look like? And 50 of the 100 agents didn't even own a real estate property. Most realtors don't truly know these rules of investing. And that's where people get in trouble because their cousin or uncle, they're trying to go to the same realtor. But anyway, so long story short, the formula is basically this to make sure that you buy correctly. Number one, and you can't violate this rule no matter what, is the property has to cash flow no matter what. And for every hundred grand you spend, it should cash flow a hundred bucks. That's conservative, that's doable, that's- um, Every hundred grand, it should cash flow a hundred bucks. Hundred grand that it cost, yep. it should cash flow at least a hundred bucks. That's like pretty so, damn easy to get. So a $300,000 house, if I don't pull $300 into my pocket, as a minimum, as that a minimum. should be your cash flow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. After everything. Yes. And that's the number one principle that you never violate. Does because that include insurance, property tax? That's all in. Everything. Yep. Okay. Yep. After your PITI, which is principal interest taxes and insurance, you want to make sure it cash flows $300 a month. So think of it this way. So I'll give you a quick example. Um, when the real estate market in 2007, eight, I bought a property. I paid two eighty five for it. Okay. Um, I got a first for eighty percent of the loan and a second for twenty percent of the loan. You could do that back then. Nothing I, down, I, right? I, I did one of those too. Exactly. We called them liar loans, I think. Yeah. So I stated was stated income. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I was at two eighty five, 
Market went up to 350. I hung on to it. Well, the market ended up tanking down. To, by the way, I was upside down. I was renting it for 1500 a month. I think my payment was like 2300 a month. So I'm losing 800 bucks a month. Okay. I justified it because I knew it was going up at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. I did it wrong. That's why I'm qualified now because I learned the hard mm-hmm. way. This is firsthand experience. Um, and what happened was when the market started to tank, uh, I couldn't afford it anymore. I'm upside down $800 a month. Um, so it dropped the value of it all the way to 215. That's where I had to sell it because I had to get rid of it. I couldn't afford the $800 a month anymore. The bank knew I was making a lot of money because I was still selling a lot of homes. I just didn't have any money because of bad decisions. And so they made me keep the loan, 0% interest. So every month the payment would go towards full principal. But I had, I got stuck with two houses doing this for $140,000, $150,000. So was it um, a short sale? It was a short sale, but not really because I had to keep the loan. They wow. wouldn't let me do a, a on a short sale because they knew I was making three four hundred grand a year still. Yeah. So I got I literally got stuck with two house payments with no houses. Like <laughs> that's when you know you've really screwed up. Yes. And so, but the point of that was is that house two and a half years ago sold for six hundred fifty thousand dollars. If it had the cash flow and I could have held on to it, because mm-hmm. if it cash flow is even a hundred bucks or even if you're breaking even, hell. Then I can keep that through the downturn. You yep. just you're paying down your principal, so there's four, five, six hundred bucks a month. Um, you're saving on taxes, which you can save a ton on if you know what you're doing. And uh, you know appreciation eventually started coming back like crazy after it bottomed out in 2011. So if I'd have hung on to that, if I could have hung on to it, I would have ended up making several hundred thousand dollars ten years later. Well, Tyler, my partner, at the same time bought a house in another city for 185. It dropped to 130. He was cash flowing $100 a month. That's it. Okay? okay. But because that house payment was covering itself, when it dropped to 130, he just kept his renter in, paid down his principal. Eventually, the house paid itself off. He sold it that two and a half years ago for $400,000. So the only difference between what I did and what Tyler did is that cash flow that he had to be able to weather the storm. So right now, I own over 30 real estate properties, all single family homes. I don't have to sell any of them. Every yeah. single one of them is cash flowing me. Every single one of them I'm paying down principal. I'm getting huge tax breaks. Um, it's perfect. And so I'll just wait till the market comes back up yeah. and then I'll sell it. So am I buying right now? Yes. I still, I flip homes. I do all that stuff. Uh, if you have the right property right now, hell yeah, buy it. But you, if it's an investment, you just don't want to violate that rule. Rule number one. Yeah, cash. Is there a second rule or is it just rule number one? I have a lot of other little rules. Like number two is if the market were to tank tomorrow and you're still glad you own the home, you have a good property. Regardless of the value? Yeah, because if you're glad you still own it, it means you bought it right. Yep. You know, it means that you're not upside down. It means that you're making money on it still. So yep. that's kind of like a generic way to look at it. Sure. But ask yourself if you're buying a real estate property and you go, no, this market, this property is going to go down 25% tomorrow. Would you still want to own that property at the place you're getting it? And if the answer is yes, it's a good property. So how much do you put down on a rental? Uh, 20% on everything. So not more? No, not usually. I have a few that are paid off just because when you once you start getting too many loans, you have to... Um, you can kind of max out. So but, I mean, do you partner. play with how much down to make sure you make that certain cash flow? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're buying investment properties, there's a lot of, there's a, and by the way, there's a million ways to invest in real estate. This is just the way that we do it. This yeah. is the way that we teach it because it's the simplest and it's the one where you're well, never going to get in trouble. 5,000 homes. You, you, you know a little something yeah, about Yeah, this is the safest way to buy real estate. I mean, this is like the formula. I wish I'd known this. I'd have made a lot more money. Um, but basically, um, what you want to make sure is whenever you're buying that property, um, what was the question again? I'm going on another. Do you tangent. play with uh, oh, how much, how you much put down? down? Yeah, you want to put down at least twenty percent because then you don't have the mortgage insurance, and so it helps your cash flow. Yeah. If you're not putting that down, you just found a killer deal. But like a lot of people, you know, they do these methods of buying where you're like, 
Um, you know, you buy it owner occupied, three percent down, then you move every six months, and that's a way to do it. Sure. And as long as it's still cash flows, I'm for it. But in today's market, it's not with affordability rates too high, it just doesn't yeah. work. Well, that's fascinating because yeah. I'm trying to do more in real estate myself, and the challenge is there is so much information, but there's so much information. Yeah. And how do you know what's exciting in general? How now, do you know right? what to do? Yeah. You know. Uh, and this is what I say, like, if you were going to, if you had a chance to talk to somebody, I mean, with Everbowl, for example, if you had a chance to talk to somebody who's franchised 200, 400 restaurants or somebody that's never done it, who are you going to go talk to? Someone who's done right. 400 so restaurants. So the number one thing I tell people is you got to find people that are actually doing it and ask them, let me see your houses. I want to see what your houses are doing. If they don't have a spreadsheet or some kind of software that's showing them exactly, I mean, I can literally pull up a tab on my Excel. You will see every house, what I bought it for, what the cash flow is, every single payment. If I showed you the amount of detail that we put into this thing, it's, I'm not even an analytical guy. Hell, I don't even like to see that much stuff, but my <laughs> partner Tyler is, and so he does it for me. But every single property, I know exactly what the rate is and how much I'm cash flowing, how much is in the reserves. I know when that loan has, you know, all these different yeah. things. And so it's just right there in front of me. But you want to make sure that whoever you're using or helping you is really an expert at it. And then you want to make sure that, um, you know, you can trust them just as a person. Do you only buy in one market or do you scatter? No, we're in multiple. We used to just buy Utah because we got a lot bigger commission checks. Um, yep. But we, uh, just being honest, that was easy. It was in our backyard. I can go see the houses. But once that market dried up for investors, we actually studied 92 markets around the country. And we found the three best markets at that time. Um, it's funny because I went on Cody Sperber's show at that time, and I asked him, where's the one place you'd buy right now? And he was one of our three markets we identified. So it was kind of a, you know, a validation. And then Chris Crone, who does a lot of real estate investment coaching, said the same thing. And so our numbers were good. But we basically look for... Um, and this is part of like, what are some of the other things that go into where you're deciding? Well, right now we only buy in red states. Yep. I mean, you can get a renter in a blue state and you can't get them out for years. Um, they don't have to pay you, you know, it can sink you. Uh, we only buy in markets where people are moving to that have strong economies. Um, so Florida is a big one for us. Uh, Arkansas, um, Tennessee, different areas like that. Um, uh, Oklahoma is another one. And then again, it's, um, so we just studied the markets. Where do the numbers still work? And yeah. if the numbers work, we'll buy it. You know, we just partner with the top agents in those areas and we'd run it through our formula, check it out. Mm -hmm. If it works, it works. So when you do out of state, does it, part of your profit have to incorporate uh, property management as well? Well, so we don't do anything with the property management side. We just turn it over to the property managers in those areas. So we've found the best property. Because in every one of these areas, we have hundreds, even thousands of homes that we've sold to investors. Sure. And so we find the best property managers. But what we do do is, so like we'll find the best agent, and then they actually take the commission. They just cut us a small referral fee, and then we charge a fee up front to work with us. So we're still making, like, that's why I say, like, in Utah, if I sell someone a $300,000 investment property, I make nine grand on the commission, right? Yep. With these deals, we make about five to six grand per house, but we're building, I mean, we have so many clients now that are like, wow, these guys didn't try to, like, I saw these realtors selling homes, like I said, condos for five, $600,000. They were never going to cash flow. The they wanted the $18,000 check, you know, that's their commission on it. And I couldn't ever, I would feel guilty taking the damn thing. And so like, all of our clients are so grateful because we protected them and they know it. And so yeah. we have thousands of clients now that we've worked with. And um, most of our clients end up buying 8, 10, 15 homes. With, through your group? Through us, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, And so do you ever partner with your clients or is it just? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So like for me, I want to buy one of my goals by the end of this year. You know, Pace Morby came and spoke to my men's group in November and challenged us. Uh, you know, he wanted to, I think, own 100 homes last year. I ended up with 400. 
uh, properties or doors or whatever it was. And so I'm like, okay, I need to be at 100 doors by the end of the year. And so my only way to get there, my loans are full. I've got all those and everything. But I partner with people. So I do the work. We find the home. We take care of it. Um, we split part of the down payment. They're obviously doing more because I'm doing all the work. And then they do the loan in their name. Yeah. And then we partner together. Oh, cool. Yeah. That helps. And I've done that 15 times. Okay. Yeah. My last real estate question, and then I have to ask you about your undercover work. Sounds because good. That, uh, that keeps me very excited. But do you own most of your rentals in, in an LLC, a corporation, your yeah, personal? Yeah, so any name? of them I partner with someone, we set up our own LLC for each one on bank account, and yep. we just run it all through there, do a K1 and the whole thing. Um, any of them that I own outside of that, I have three or four that are in like one LLC, but all the rest have their own LLC. And you do that just for liability? For liability and just to keep it separate. Yeah, it's actually really easy to do. Like mm-hmm. once you kind of, if you spend 30 minutes looking at it, you can see how easy it is to do. Talk to your accountant, and, you know, and you might as well. Yeah. Okay, so I read the most interesting thing about you is your undercover work. <laughs> I need to I need to hear this. I need to understand. So yeah, you, you you did undercover work to rescue children from sex trafficking. Yeah, so I stopped about three years ago, so I don't do it anymore. So okay. preface with that, but um, yeah, so I was at a conference, I don't know, six seven years ago, and I heard this guy get up, this guy named Paul, and he talked about how he'd just gone to Colombia and they did this big sting operation to rescue these kids are being sex trafficked. And he's telling me the story and there's a million coincidences of this whole story, but long story short, he was a real estate mogul. He'd helped fund, um, or sorry, he'd helped build a fund that at the time was like a multiple billion dollar fund. Now it's like a $30 billion fund, but, um, but at the time, and so he was like this guy that I'm just like, wow, like he's a real estate guy. He got to go do this. I want to go do it. And so I went up to him after the event and kind of blew me off, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just kept doing what I do to get in the room when I want to be there. And um, eventually... Pleasantly and, persistent? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, everybody needs something. Figure out what it is and go yeah. give it to them, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. And I just made myself an asset. Long story short, um, so there was a company that, or a foundation that had started called Operation Underground Railroad. It was about six months old at the time. Um, they're big now with like Tony Robbins and Lewis Howes work with them. And amazing organization. This guy, Tim, started it. And uh, so... Paul had basically, he was kind of the guy that first funded a lot of their first missions or kind of helped get the money for it. And so he got me in, I got in with him and he got me to go on this first stop. And long story short, yeah, so we'd go into these foreign countries, um, ones that need help. So they ask this organization for help. Like you wouldn't do this in the US, they have law enforcement, they have FBI and CIA and all the things, right? I mean, but in some of these other places we went, I mean, it was crazy, they had nothing. And so we'd go down there and the reason why it works so well is because we are the target for who would go do this. Americans going to uh, Colombia or Mexico or, uh, you know, wherever it was, Ecuador or whatever. And so we go down there and um, go to the beach and start hustling and talk to the guys. And next thing we know, we were pretty good, usually at finding whoever the trafficker was. And then we'd set up a sting. We'd have them bring all the girls. And um, I ended up going on um, 11 sting operations. Um, and in that time we were able to rescue over a hundred girls and wow. yeah, my first one was special. I got a plaque that Tim gave me that has some money framed a picture of me, him and one of the federalities and shows all the stats of the takedown and some of the money we used to rescue those girls. And I keep that right on my desk. And the reason why is, you know, and you know, this, like I always talk about people talk about their why. And you know, when I was younger, I always wanted to save somebody's life. That was like a mm-hmm. stupid goal I had. One was like, go to the moon, own a penguin, save someone's life, you know, <laughs> but like, and 
you know, so I keep that there because sometimes work just sucks. Some days are hard. Some days you don't know what why it's worth it. And I, I it's funny that we've talked a lot about real estate in this episode because I don't talk about it as much anymore. But when I was going through that in say, 2008, 9, 10, it was so hard to sell houses. I was dead ass broke. I'd made millions of dollars and lost it. It was just people will never truly understand how difficult that was. We have a six-month supply of homes on the market right now. We had a 22-month supply of homes on the market. I mean, there was wow. nobody buying homes. Everybody was upside down. Everybody put nothing down. And it was brutal. And I had a, another quote on my wall. That I had this prospecting booth where I would just go. I had it as motivational as I could because I had to work every day. And it said, show up today for your future self. You never know who's going to need you. And that was my motivation, man, because in the moment, it wasn't fun. You're paying off bills. You're paying off debt. And that was it. I mean, it was not fun. You have to have a bigger reason to go to work. And people kind of, they focus too much on the immediate thing. And so I always was thinking forward of what would happen. So to look back now and have a weekend like I just had with my men's group here in San Diego, you know, life-changing for these guys, and to be able to go on those ops. Like, I didn't know where my life was going, but I'm so proud that, like, in those times when it was so hard, I mean, it was so brutal. I was carrying 50 listings at a time, and I maybe sold one every two to three weeks. It was brutal. I had to make conversations every day with these owners, telling them they need to lower their price, borrow money, whatever they could to try to sell. But I got through it, and because of that, I built, you know, this – life where I'm able to go do things like this now. And, and so when I had a chance to be a part of those ops, it was special, man. We, um, yeah, we rescued over a hundred kids and took down over 30 traffickers on the ops I was involved in. And, um, you know, one of them in particular was, you know, she was an eighth grade school teacher and she used her position to get these girls into trafficking. And we took her out. Like how many dozens or hundreds of girls did we save from that one op? I don't know, but like, those are the things. And so that plaque is front and center because yep. some days life just sucks, man. But I'm like, no, Jimmy, you never know. I would have never guessed that's what I'd have been doing. I kind of just, the opportunity presented itself because of what I did when I was 24, 25, 26, because I didn't give up because I didn't go give up on, you know, wanting to be somebody. And, um, so yeah, man. And so it means a lot. And it's a part of my story. It's, um, one of those things that you just look back and you're like, how did I even end up there? <laughs> but it was beautiful, man. And did yeah, you ever just, get shot at? No, 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 no. I mean, if we were, if it ever got to that point, we were in deep shit because we weren't armed ever. Yep. Um, the only protection we had was that it's actually where weird that they comes from. I'll tell you this story, um, the name of my coaching program, because this is where it came from. So we did an op once in Latin America. I don't say exactly where, but this, we had found the guy that was supposed to be the trafficker and the next morning. And we knew that because we were working with two other traffickers. And when they heard we're working with this guy, they're like, oh, if you're working with him, we can't, we can't talk to you anymore. Like he's the guy like, okay, sweet. So we knew we found the guy the next day. He's like, Hey, I want you to meet my boss. We're like, I thought you were the boss. He's like, no, no, the boss boss. So we go meet this dude and they had a perimeter set. I mean, the guy had his gun on him. I speak Spanish cause I served a Mormon mission in another life. And so I'm the communicator. There's four of us. We have our doc, our Navy SEAL guy, me and Paul, you know, the talkers. And I'm talking the whole thing in Spanish, negotiating these kids and prices and the whole thing for 20 minutes. And we got out. I mean, if any part, if any inkling, if any little thought of these guys were that we were there undercover, we were dead. I yep. mean, it was, it was a, we were not in a good place. This was, no one would have known about us for months, years. And uh, anyway, long story short, we ended up going back from that op. And I was pretty scared because it was like, wow, we got to go back now and get these guys arrested. And we went back and I told my roommate at the time, I'm like, dude, I, I think this is my last one. And uh, I think it was my third or fourth one at the time. And we went back and we did the sting. We got these guys taken down um, and we rescued the, you know, the kids and everything. And afterwards, I was just like, wow, I have to do this for the rest of my life. Like this is going to be something that, you know, it was so amazing to watch that. So on the way home, my girlfriend picked me up from the car or in my truck uh, from the airport. And it's interesting because 
you tell people the stories, and I thought everyone would want to hear about it. The truth is they don't. It's really hard to talk about. I've learned how to tell the story in a way that people aren't going to turn this podcast off, hopefully. Sure. But, like, you start telling people what's going on, and they don't want to hear it. They'd rather be ignorant to it, to be honest. And so, like, she was – I'm telling her this story and scaring the shit out of her, you mm -hmm. know? And she pulls over, and she goes, hey, I don't want you to do this anymore. This is, like, super dangerous and – um, bad environment. I was like, I know, but like this is part of my life's mission now, you know, like look what we just did. And she goes, I know, but like, why can't they just go do it? And without even thinking, um, I just said, I said, what do you mean? There is no, they, we are the, they. And when I said that, I was like, I still get shivers. Yeah. I just, just like, gave oh, me goosebumps. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, that's good. <laughs> and I was like, that's gonna be the motto for my life. We are the, they. And so that's the whole premise of it is, you know, we don't wait for other people to step mm -hmm. up. Like when something needs to be done or fixed, we're the ones that do it. And that's the premise. That's the whole how weird that they became a thing. Hey, everybody. Looking for great insights? Entrepreneur.com's podcast network is the place for you. Check out podcasts like Problem Solvers and Smart Passive Income for smart advice. Hear true stories on how success happens, financial updates on dirty money, deep dives with Behind the Review, and food trends on restaurant influencers. And don't miss my new show. It's all at entrepreneur.com forward slash listen. Let's start our success journey today. Hey there, it's your host, Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on The Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbowl, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. And that's a great seg segue into, because yesterday I came and got to meet part of your group. Um, over at uh, Wild Jungle and watch uh, the group of We Are The They and get inspired just by the group of men that you're putting together and the mission you're after Yep. and learn about it. And now I want to be part of it. Um, and it clearly lights you up. I mean, when you talk about it, I can just see the passion in your eyes. I mean, oh, it's so fun, dude, like to be able to do it. It's it's the funnest thing I've ever been. Involved. I don't feel like I ever work and I've never worked more in my life. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's so valuable because I think, and I'm going to let you tell me so I don't butcher it, but a safe place for men especially in today's world, to, and I think you named the three of them, you know, but mm -hmm. the one that triggered me was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's hard for men to be vulnerable. It's hard to be, for men to be in a, especially around other men. Mm -hmm. um, and how are you cultivating that? I mean, how is that happening? <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, we do a whole, I mean, when guys sign up for my program, we get them all together the first weekend. I'll give you a couple of the exercises I did. You guys can do this with your company, your family, whatever. This is not proprietary. I came up with this, but it's just the most beautiful exercise. And because I'd been to so many masterminds in advance and people are flexing and they're trying to, mm -hmm. what they're really saying is, hey, please get to know me. I promise I'm worthy to get to know. <laughs> but it comes off as like braggadocious and freaking front and, and all this shit. And I just hated that. You know, I remember I went to a networking event at Dan Balzerian's house one time and I got blown off by a few guys. And, you know, it was like Jordan Belfort was there, mm -hmm. and, you know, Jim Quick, all these different people. And I just felt like a jackass. And I just remember feeling like, God, I hate feeling like this. Like, why are we got to be like this? And, uh, 
And so I've been to all these events. I know what I didn't want. And so when I first got the guys together, the first night what I did is I had them make a badass list. Are you familiar with Jen Gottlieb? Yep. So she taught me this. Um, we were sitting there with me, her, and Prince E at, that, at this event um, that Dan Fleischman had put on. And me and Prince were talking about how, yeah, you get this imposter syndrome. Like, we're just guys. Like, like you kind of, like, am I really doing anything, you know? And, and Jen was like, guys, I have the best exercise to help you get out of um, imposter syndrome. And so what she said, she's write down a list of everything that makes you badass from the time you were a kid. Like, this is your chance to brag. And I'd had a guy about six weeks before I met her on this. He was at a house party of mine, and we were laying there, and he was just, just – talking himself down. Yeah. And so I said, bro, this is the safest room you're ever going to be in. For the next five minutes, you're going to brag your ass off. Everything you can possibly come up with. And I saw him light up as he's telling us. I said, this is the, you've let mm-hmm. me know all of it. Anything that you ever have wanted someone to know about you that you just feel like you'd be bragging if you told them. And he lit up. And so I kind of took her badass list. I have the guys write it out. And then the key to it, she says, is then you're going to have somebody read it to you or you read it as if you're reading it about somebody else. And all of a sudden you listen to it and you're like, oh, this guy's kind of a badass, you know? <laughs> like I remember when I read mine, I'm like, shit, I want to hang out with this guy. And uh, But then I had them all get in a circle, so little pods of 10. And one guy gets in the middle and he reads his list. And then the guys go crazy celebrating him like they just won the Super Bowl. This is the first night we're all together. And so every guy is celebrating. And then they all get – I get emotional thinking about it because it's like you watch them change their lives. But they get in this big circle – and then every guy has an accountability partner, and they get up, and they have to tell what makes their accountability partner a badass. By the end of the night, everybody is like, I feel seen. I don't have to front. I don't have to prove myself. These guys know I'm amazing. And it just it changed that whole energy. And then the next day, I would do one other exercise. I get them in a big circle. I have a list of about 40 questions. And I learned this one going, there's a lady named Catherine Hoke. We went to the Pelican Bay prison one time. Entrepreneurs, you teach these um, – uh, she doesn't like using the word film. I can't think of the right word, but yep. the, the criminals, you know. Yep. And uh, these are dudes that are in there for murder, lifers, I mean, solitary confinement guys, the whole bit. And we get in a line across from each other, and she calls it step to the line. And basically, she'll say stuff like, if you had a parent tuck you in at night, step to the line. And you watch all the entrepreneurs, almost every time, all of them step forward, not one of the <clears throat> hundred guys that are in prison, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, she asks other questions. If you watched a sibling get killed by your 20th birthday, step to the line half the prisoners. And it's just crazy. I mean, it's just like this. So I took kind of that. Yes. And it was just a life-changing moment for me when I went and did it, right? And that's kind of why I like love to do experiences. You don't know which moment's going to change your life. And so I took that and I kind of put my own spin on it. So I got all the guys in a circle. I had a list of 40 questions. And if I, if the, if if it, um, but by the way, first I went and I told a very vulnerable story and I talked about all the shit that wasn't so sexy about me, right? Mm-hmm. And I talked about how I had to work through these things and things I was still working through. Then I had one of my best buddies who's also an influencer do the same thing. So by the time we got to the circle, the guys were primed. And then I had the question. So I started out with like, if your parents ever divorced, step in the circle. Half the guys step in, step yeah. back out. Then I'll say something like, if you've ever had a sibling die, step in the circle, one or two people. If you ever had cancer, one or two people. Then I start getting a little bit more personal. If you've ever been cheated on, step in the circle. If you ever cheated on your spouse or girlfriend, step in the circle. Uh, you know, if you if you have a pornography addiction or have in the last six months, step in the circle. If, if we start getting very vulnerable, if, and all of a sudden every guy's in tears because the problem with men is we feel like we're alone. We don't have these safe places, these containers where we can go to actually learn that, like, wow, I'm not the only asshole going through this. Yeah. But in that moment, every single guy. And so then we give them an opportunity once this activity is done. And one of the questions I ask is, do you feel lonely often? I think 38 of the 40 or 48 of the 50 guys stepped in the circle. 
it's just a crazy thing. And guys get up and they start talking about, hey, I just found my wife cheating on me. Hey, um, you know, I've had a pornography addiction since I was 12. I've never told a soul. Um, here's And these guys, and they just work through all these different things, whatever it might be, right? Or, you know, I, I've been cheating on my girlfriend. I don't know why I do this, you know, and sure. whatever it might be. And that's the really sets the whole foundation for the whole thing. And then the next day, there's this giant rope swing. If you go to my Instagram, Mr. Jimmy Rex, you can see it. We do that. We jump off this cliff. It's 280 feet down. You're, my buddies literally go set it up the day before. It's a rope swing. It's like, this isn't like you pay money to go do it. Like it's not there one day, it's there the next. And I have them leave behind the limiting belief, negative relationship, or bad thought that they've been holding on to and leap into an empowering one. So they come up out of that canyon, a new person, and that's the first weekend we're ever together. And then it's a two and a half year program where we just keep going and driving. So that's my, uh, yeah, I don't remember the original question, but that's, uh, that's what we <laughs> do with help men day. get vulnerable and, and go I through I mean, it's that. something I think all men should at least explore if yeah. it's a way for us to get vulnerable and be around other men and have the freedom and um, approval permission mm -hmm. to get real with each other. Yeah, you don't have to have your shit together. It's like no one cares where you've been. No one cares what yeah. you've done. Like what, let's all go together here. Yeah. But you feel seen for the first time. You feel loved for the first time. This Every man carries these weights, and they don't – it's like set it down, dude. Yeah. Let's go. So so my last question before we wrap up is your new book. You are go, – you're going – You end up where you're heading. You end up where you're heading. I was yep. going to say you're going where you're heading. You end up where you're heading. Tell me. Yeah, the subtitle of it is The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life. And the whole premise is so many people on their deathbeds, nobody regrets the decisions they made. I mean, you got a girl pregnant in high school, you love that little kid more than anything you've ever done. Like, you screwed up a business, the lessons you learned are invaluable, right? Like, yeah. most things you tried or didn't, like, you don't have regrets, but people really regret the things they didn't do. It's the conversation they never had to forgive somebody. It's the... Um, the person I always had a crush on and never let them know, you know, it's like the girl that got away or whatever it might be, or the business idea that just died in your head. And so the whole premise of what I wanted to do with the book is I take people through Joseph Campbell's hero's journey yeah. and it just shows them the steps of how to be the hero of your own story and how to really take control, live your life by design and, and go after it. So the whole book, I use examples from my life of, you know, with the 10 different stages and then different people that have been in my life that I've learned from. And we walk people through how they can do that. I have to get it. I'm yeah, gonna. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna read it. So the next time we talk, I'm. I'm gonna be uh, familiar because Jimmy. Honestly, like I said from the beginning, I was so excited to have you on my show just because not only are you the most interesting man uh, as a reputation, but just knowing you and watching you, your thirst for life, your ability to cut through the crap and get it there. So those listening who don't follow you need to go follow you. Um, if you're a man out there and you're interested in improving your life, being the best version of yourself, I recommend you check out the We Are the They program. I got a little taste yesterday. And I hope I get the opportunity to spend more time with you and your group because you're changing lives, you're changing the world. And thank you, man. Thank you for coming on and spending this time with us. Thanks, man. No, we'd love to have you. And yeah, it's been so fun. It's, it's so cool because all these, I worked so hard to build some of these really special relationships. And like, you know, you have a day like yesterday to have you there and have Steve there and Tarzan and Dan, all these guys that I worked so hard to build a real connection with. And not one guy I had to pay. They just love what we're doing and they step up. And so we'd love to have you super involved man it's it's awesome and thank you yeah it's fun Dude, thank you thank you you bet man thank you so much for listening if you're looking to level up your relationship capital game then take a minute and text the word jeff to 33777 for a free copy of my network to millions playbook the link will also be provided in the show notes below see you guys next time